Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. And we're back this time with a core amount of us. The Four Musketeers returned with shots fired. Sorry for the hiatus and uh, RIP my dad, but uh, these oh. things are sent to try us and we, well, the show does actually go on. So back to cause mayhem is Kairos MMA. Uh, because it's audio, bro. <laughs> I, have, I was about to say you have to speak, son. I, I thought you were going to keep going. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> and Chisanga Malata. What's good, people? How are we all doing? And chilling by the beach, it's G. Yes. What up, y'all? What up? Okay, well, I'm going to kick things off because my subject, when you think about it, is relatively old. We're like two weeks removed from UFC 264, but still the excuses are coming thick and fast. Now, it pains me to say this, and it pains me to say this in front of G, because for the most part of all the time that we've been recording, I've been defending this man, Conor McGregor, for the last however long. But I'm finding uh, it uh, kind of indefensible, or that I'm actually defending the indefensible. When it comes to the things which are being brought up as to why it was that uh, we should uh, look at the mitigating circumstances around his loss. Plain and simple, he lost to the better man. He lost to Dustin the Diamond Poirier, who lived up to his name by shattering bones of Conor McGregor. But enough around you know, what actually happened. We're well seized, we're well versed, and our memories serve us well in actually you know, how that transpired. What I want to talk about are basically the, I'm trying to think of a better word for this, but I'm just going to call it as I see it, the excuses that we are seeing being brought forward. Now, it may sound like I woke up and chose violence, but... My leg was broke. My leg was broke. <laughs> <laughs> he got the toy. <laughs> He's got the oh, toy. For, for, the, for the audio listeners, I'm showing a, a pop UFC uh, a figurine of, of, of Conor McGregor, which I, I, I got sent a, a while back, still unopened, but we'll, uh, we'll just keep it as is. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, Mike. I, could, I, could, I couldn't help myself, I couldn't help myself. Now, I, I'm glad you used the pop figurine there. That is what Conor McGregor should have done. Kept his mouth shut like a pop figurine. Oh. Nothing, nada, niche. We don't want to hear anything. We don't want to hear the excuses. But what is equally kind of uh, galling are the excuses coming from, I'm going to call them yes men. Uh, again, maybe I chose violence today. But we've got John Kavanagh talking about the fact that, you know, in his eyes, he liked what he was seeing. He was basically anticipating what could have been in the second round. We've got Dana White, the uh, archetypal promoter or the archetypal promoter's promoter talking about 
the uh, underlying issue of a fracture of a oh sorry of arthritis being at play here and it was arthritis which uh, possibly played a hand in all of this severe arthritis i might add and that you know connor was given the option to wrap his knee so wrap his ankles and none of this actually correlates to what actually happened none of this actually speaks to the strength speaks to the skill speaks to the narrative which basically was connor got dealt with connor got dealt with in the first round Connor himself has come out and said about fractures, has talked about underlying issues, underlying injuries, has talked about, you know, mitigating circumstances. And I just think that's just poor form. And I just wondered, look, look the way I see this, and it was captured quite sweetly and nicely by Fight um, Symposium, or Fight Posium, sorry. Uh, an incredible artist who on Twitter um, has actually released some incredible artwork. Now, the artwork, just to describe it to you, for those who haven't seen it, visit my uh, Twitter page, which is at TV. It's quite simply, well, I suppose encapsulates my next question. The picture is of Dustin Poirier feeding hot pepper sauce to Conor McGregor. Now, my question, now that I've finally got around to it, is, is it that unpalatable a loss that people are finding it hard to swallow this, are finding it hard to absorb it, are finding it hard to digest a Conor McGregor loss? When you look at all of this in the round, we've got Dana White, we've got John Kavanaugh, we've got Conor McGregor himself, coming out with these quote unquote mitigating circumstances. I just wonder how unpalatable this loss is. For me, as I said, just to underline this, he lost fair and square, plain and simple. We need to be talking about the skill. We need to be talking about the prowess of Dustin the Diamond Poirier. But here we are giving credence possibly and allowing and giving volume to the fact that there were underlying circumstances for the loss. Why is this? Why is this loss? This is my question to you. I'm going to start with G. Why is this loss so hard to swallow? Um, I think this loss is so hard for MMA fans and just basically a lot of people. It's because one, Connor is a cash cow. He is a full-on celebrity in our sport. And he also has like a cult following. So I think when you have that all behind you and he's one of the first and biggest stars of MMA too. Like he's huge. Sometimes I forget how huge he is until I have to like come outside myself and, and really, you know, take a look at Connor and, and remove my biases. Like he's huge. And that's why people just can't eat this loss. But Mike, you're right. We should be talking about Dustin more and it's nothing more, nothing less. The, the better fighter, the better man won that fight. Hands down. So <clears throat> moving swiftly on to Chisanga, I just want you to factor in uh, another thing. Look, this is two weeks on mm -hmm. from the fight, but here we are two weeks on still listening to this narrative. Why is it that we are still listening to this? Why is it that it has been unpalatable? Why is it that MMA fans and MMA, well, aficionados and personalities who should know better, why is it that we're still listening to this 
Um, I think we're still listening to it because of obviously just how dramatic the circumstances were. I mean, leg breaks are, are few and far between in the UFC. I mean, only four have happened. Corey Hill was the first against, uh, was it Dale Hart? I think I, I think so. Corey Hill was the first. And then you had Anderson, then you had uh, Chris Weidman, and then you obviously you had, you had Connor. So I, I think there's still... Well, it's 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 still the the the, the uh, a lot of news outlets uh, main main port of call the, the the injury just because of how horrific it was and especially when Connor came out and he said that he had underlying uh, of like underlying issues with the, with stress stress factors and the insinuation that the UFC knew about this beforehand and then uh, by that the subsequent insinuation that the Nevada Athletic Commission knew before that or that he may have allegedly fudged his uh is is a pre-fight declaration because you legally have to sign a legally binding document to say um oh do you and disclose if you have any other any injuries well we don't know if that in fact i'm pretty sure it came out i think it was the las vegas review journal uh, came out and said that he didn't he didn't declare that um yeah, I, 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 when it comes to Connor coming out and saying that, yeah, I had underlying stretch fractures, I, I, I actually have no issue. I have no issue with that because obviously everybody wants to know why did the leg break, and if that is the truth, then, then so be it. Speak the truth. But um, I, I don't like how a lot of a lot of people are using it as a crutch for for his loss because he was he was getting beaten beforehand yes he is he, having success with uh with the leg kicks b- beforehand the, the hard leg kicks he, he was landing and perhaps that was uh, that's what what john kavanaugh was referring to and saying yeah i was liking what i was seeing and and what have you uh and i think maybe he, john liked how for certain certain exchanges when when Dustin was on top how he was he was defending himself and similar not similar in to way of how he defended himself against Habib but remember in the first round he did well to not absorb as much damage as many others have so I think that's why John is saying that he liked what he saw but as it pertains to his belief that a, a second round finish was potentially on the cards there's just no evidence there's just no evidence to <laughs> There's just no evidence to back that up, and I'm 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 a big fan of a big fan of John, of John Kavanaugh, his, his philosophy, and Mike, you you've been interviewing him for probably longer than I have as well, and he's he's a very nice guy, very 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 nice gentleman, but I just have to disagree with him on on when when, when it comes to this. There, it wasn't as if before the leg break or or what have you that. Connor had stung Dustin Poirier with a, with a hard shot and it was uh, was visible. Although Poirier did say earlier in the round that he caught him with a good shot, and it, I don't think it dazed him to the extent of uh, the the good shot that he said he got caught with in their rematch in January, but a good shot nonetheless. But again, what evidence is there to to to, to make a thing? Oh yeah, sec- second second round uh, finishes on the cards. Poirier wasn't breathing heavy at the end of the round after dropping all those bombs or whatever. There was. There's nothing is so I just think it's still gonna be it's gonna be part of the news cycle until Connor comes back. It, it will die down to a certain extent. It won't get as much traction on uh, on YouTube or on website clicks, but it will still be a major major talking point until this time next year until until Connor comes back and invariably we we get that fourth fight because I mean oh God Dana White's already Dana White Dana White's already said it and. 
going uh, going back to the reason why uh, Dana White and everybody else are, are, are so vocal about this is because they want this fourth fight. The the fact that there's an asterisk next to it means that oh yeah, there's there's grounds for them to run it back. But is this going to be like a similar situation to um, the? Well, obviously it didn't end up happening, but remember for a while they were like, oh yeah, immediate rematch between Volkanovski and, and Holloway. Are you just going to keep doing this until Conor wins? And even if Conor wins, then you've got to do a fifth fight, right? You've got a quadrilogy, right? It's, I mean, look, Dustin Poirier is, isn't getting the respect that he deserves for, for, for a great performance. Yes, he took some, he took some leg kicks and, and what have you, but overall, the, the amount of damage that he inflicted, obviously, yes, it wasn't visible in terms of cuts and, and bruises or whatever. It was a 10-8 round, in my, in my opinion. Like, my, uh, my wife and I, we actually had a dispute about this, and she was like, oh, no, I thought Connor was doing, was doing better, and blah, blah, blah. I think she was just blinded by the, by the kicks. But I was, I was saying to her, you, you've got to take into account the significant strikes that Poirier was landing. He was landing the significantly harder blows. When it comes to a fight, even if you're at school, or whatever, right? If you if somebody lands like ten bitch ass punches or whatever, and then somebody lands one big shot that rocks everybody, what does what do people remember? And what's more memorable? So, yeah, Dustin Poirier needs a lot more praise, and uh, I hope he I hope I hope he gets his flowers for for the performance because it was it was it was a stellar performance. And for me, there's other other than for another big big event for the for mixed martial arts uh, fans and like the, the casual mixed martial uh, casual combat sports fan to put eyes onto the UFC, there's no reason for this fight to happen again. Just to pick up on one thing that you said there, you're right. Just like you, I am a great admirer of John Kavanagh. I interviewed him several times and I love his mind. I think he is a genius, but that's what makes this so difficult to swallow. When I hear those words tumbling out of his mouth, but as well as that, I just want to underline the fact, even though I find it unpalatable as to um, the mitigating circumstances being trotted out by Dana White and Conor McGregor, I still love both of those men individually for what they have done for the sport. But going on to you, the man, the myth, the legend this week. Kairos, what you got to say, my, my man? Bring that heat. Oh, so I don't even get to answer your question now. Oh, I go on to my top. What? I don't get to contribute? Is that what we're really doing right now? No, quite the opposite. Oh, no, he didn't give your thoughts on it, son. That's I thought saying. you were saying it's time for my topic. I'm like, no, what the fuck no. is going on? Do you want to fight, though? I, was, I actually got... Kairos, okay. you're next. All right. What I was going to say is I feel like Connor has gotten us like accustomed to his delusion throughout his entire UFC tenure. Like every single time he's had a stumble. Oh, this is the mistake. I had too much output on the front end against Nate. And that's why I fucking lost. And then he loses to Habib. It's like, oh, I, I was drinking at the press conference and I wasn't prepared to wrestle and other shit happened. Like, like just shit happens, bro. And it's just every single corner. He's instilled that in his camp because there are a bunch of yes men, including the coaches and his training partners. He's instilled that to his fan base because his fan base don't watch the sport long enough to understand that some people are just fucking better than you sometimes people catch up to you and sometimes you aren't as great as you were three years ago period point blank and the other part of it is too many people already said both of those he's instilled delusion in his fans his camp and himself and i think just people on the who aren't like 
I hate the fucking casual term, but people who watch the sport, not as in-depth as this, will see it and just be like, oh, well, all Connor has to do is make X, Y, and Z adjustments. No, motherfucker, that ship has sailed. I saw someone who went out there, had about 30 seconds of success, and then when Dustin began to counter him off of what he thought was going to change the outcome of the fight, he was like, well, I guess I'm going to turn into a wrestler now. And he engaged in the grappling, and you saw how that fucking turned out. Connor, unless Connor changes his camp, changes his training partners and changes everything else he's fucking done. I'm sick and tired of having this conversation about motivated McGregor. I'm sick and tired of seeing people acting like Connor is a God. He's just not anymore. He's just not Dustin and everybody else in the division has gotten increasingly better and he hasn't gotten better. That's the problem. He hasn't gotten better. What's he's been doing the same shit he was doing in 2014. So why is it so hard for people to digest? Because that's what happens when the person that they think is invincible fucking loses Time after time, it's just a tough pill to swallow. Period. Point blank. And also, John Kavanaugh, you here's. Nah, I won't go down that path. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Right. <laughs> I, I'm I, frightened there. Yeah, I'm I mean, saying, I, I've got to give props to John Kavanaugh. No, I, 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 he's 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 one of the. I've, I've interviewed a lot of coaches during during my time covering this, and he, as, as you say, he, he's very intriguing, and he's got an interesting. Uh, interesting perspective, not just on fighting, just on life in in, in general. But anyway, mm-hmm. digressing from the point that I'm tr- I'm trying to say, the more and more like I reflect on that period from November 2016 until October 2018, you just realize how how much of Connor's prime actually was was gone. It was was yeah. was, was wasted. I mean, because let's let's not make mistake any mistake about it and. People love to throw the term bum around at this man, but Eddie Albert, people do. So a lot of people, a lot of people do. But those, again, aren't people who are historians of mixed martial arts and know just how yeah. good this man was. That performance against Eddie Alvarez was arguably the, the, the best title dethroning in UFC history. I, I hold Cody yeah. Garbrandt's uh, uh, UFC 206 victory over uh, over Dominic Cruz up there on par, just in terms of the, in fact, nature of it. But that was a virtuoso performance. That was Conor at his absolute peak. And who knows what would have happened if he had kept on fighting or if he had just retained half of the busy schedule that he'd had before then, because he fought three times that year, even if he fought once or twice that year. Yeah. Who knows what could, what could have happened, man? And... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that, yeah, he would have gone up and beat Woodley or whatever, but that seed was planted. You could have, could have gone in for a historic third title uh, third title fight. Do you know what I mean? And uh, obviously money, like the, the Floyd Mayweather fight. I mean, we'd all do the same in that situation. If that opportunity is there, you're going to try and provide for your family for the rest of your life. So I don't necessarily begrudge him for doing that, but I begrudge him for the, for the absence, the hiatus afterwards. And as, when it comes to... As, as you say, you, you quite rightly pointed out that um, Connor has come up with a lot of uh, reasons for his losses in, in the beginning. But going back to the, the, the loss to Nate, at least he addressed, he said, OK, this is X, Y and Z, why I lost. But I'll come back. I'll make the, these adjustments. And and, uh, and, and and obviously he did. But yes, in the subsequent losses to Habib and, and to, uh, to Dustin, that mindset is no longer there. It's just... It's. I don't want to throw this brother under the bus, but he's going full on Deontay Wilder mode. Do you know what I mean? Oh, just, don't do that. No, like no, but I'm 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 just <laughs> saying though. Like I'm just, like, I mean, okay, maybe maybe not full Deontay Wilder mode because nobody's gone. <laughs> no, <laughs> hardly, hardly anyone goes full Deontay Wilder. But do you know? But yeah. 
just address your address the issues at hand, fix the issues at hand. I think I don't necessarily believe like a full change of of of, of team is is needed. <laughs> I definitely think definitely think that he needs sparring partners to push him to the brink, to push him to the because. I don't know necessarily know if the sparring part is coming in with with the exception of uh, Peter Quealy, Bellator's Peter Quealy, because we, we know what type of fighter he is. I don't know if all those sparring partners are, who are being selected to come in will be pushing Connor to the absolute to the absolute fullest. Do you know what I mean? Like if you if you're on that payroll and you're getting paid week by week to be an sparring partner for the biggest uh, star the sport's ever seen, are you gonna are, are you gonna give him heavy 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 licks? I just uh, I don't know, but. And that's the worry for me in terms of sparring partners. You're getting paid to be a human piñata. Now, human piñatas typically don't hit back. But how I imagine it is, this is like um, managed to a degree where you're right, Chisanga. I'm only kind of like, I suppose, putting this forward because what I'm seeing is not an improved Connor. I'm yeah. seeing someone who has stagnated. And I think it may be that they are kind of like pulled back from going, you know, full on ass whooping. Yeah. And I think that might be the problem. You hit the nail correctly on the head. And that's why I really wanted to segue into um, just, I, I know I'm being greedy here, but just uh, a, another aspect to this, just really quickly and in a pithy way, I personally feel as though he does need to get outside his comfort zone. You don't do that by staying in the same camp around the same sort of people. I believe that he does need to go and test his mettle elsewhere. Now, for me, I think a camp like, I don't know, TriStar, for example. No! 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 Might be a change of scenery. Might push him basically Why? to the next level. I'm just thinking just a change of environment, just somewhere different oh is what I'm saying. God, and I'm throwing that out there. Yeah, you say no, but I'm throwing TriStar out there because, <laughs> oh, look. You know, I'm saying some, <laughs> some, something like TriStar. I'm saying TriStar to go to possibly to test himself, to push himself. Okay, so I've been shot down. So I'm, I'm hearing that no for TriStar. Okay then, G, where does he go to test his metal, to push himself? I have no idea. He better go to fucking Mars. Where the hell else is Conor McGregor gonna train? For real, like if you think about it, you can't go to ATT. I mean, it's Conor fucking McGregor. Like, where does he go? I have no idea, but I don't get TriStar because they're not a very successful gym right now. So I think Connor needs like wins and I don't think TriStar is where it's at for that. So I don't know. What should, what, where should he go, y'all? Henry Hurt. I, 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 I suggested TriStar because he does seem to work well with um, cerebral coaches. And I, are you telling me that there aren't cerebral coaches at TriStar? No, he doesn't need to be doing working with the cerebral coaches because they're fans of him. 
That's the problem with this whole. True, true. Okay, let's. I'm not going to turn this into a coach bashing session. I'm just going to provide a solution. I'm just going to. There are camps like Elevation because we know the motherfucker can struggle with his fucking cardio. Yeah, could you imagine? How about he goes somewhere that's going to help him with his fucking cardio? How about Hard Knocks 365? That's why I said. Exactly. How about some gyms that got some people in there who are going to wrestle the fuck out of him every single day and force him? to learn how to wrestle and force him how to use his stamina. We don't need to be sending him to these coaches who are like, oh, the thing about Conor McGregor, Faraz Ahabi fucking has a trademark move tailored for Conor. He's the touch of death. Like, bro, don't send him to people who are fucking fans of him. That's the problem. I'm going to interject. Did you not see what Faraz Ahabi said about Conor uh, in his uh, YouTube uh, breakdown of, of, of the fight? No, I don't listen to that man anymore. Oh, okay, what did he okay. say? <laughs> no, he, he, he basically said, <laughs> right, I've, I've got to get the, the, the call up. He basically said, I don't know how you can be a fan of this man as a human being or, or, or what have you. So I think his opinion has changed pretty much. It's worse to those effects pretty, pretty much. But it's still okay. Fair enough. He could say that all he wants. He still ain't a good enough coach to be coaching Connor. If we're just going to keep it a buck, I'm going to say like, I, I, think I, don't, I, I really he's like, he's not the right him. coach. Yeah. I really like to see him link up with uh, Henry Hoof, hard knocks, three, six, five. Yes. Down, down in Florida. That'd be fantastic. Fantastic camp for him to, to go to. And obviously Usman, Usman's no longer there as well. And he doesn't even necessarily need to leave SBG as a whole. You could be like, Luke Rockhold went to Hard Knocks 365, but he's still American American Kickboxing Academy, right? That that's that's who he is. But he just knew that for myself, where I am right now, I need to go get other looks. I need a different di- different mind guiding me to it to a certain extent. You will still like to have your Mendes, You'll still be my my head coach as, as such, and what have you. And and Henry and uh, Javier, they, they they work in tandem when, whenever Luke, Luke fights, but. This is what I need for my progression as a martial artist. And I think that's probably what something that Connor needs to do. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, sure, he doesn't have to completely leave SBG. But if we're going to be realistic, he needs to cut ties with that gym completely. And here's why. After I heard that man say, Connor runs his own camp, I was like, oh, fuck no. Oh, fuck no. Mm-hmm. You can't run your own camp and have training partners not trying to kill you and not bring in superior training partners and, 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 and you just cannot. And you're losing. Like you have to have some sort of stance where it's just like, listen, Connor, you were the motherfucking man in 2016. That's not the case anymore. I'm running this camp and we're sending in people to hurt you every single day. And you perhaps can, I, not, I don't mean to cut on. you off, Kairos, but perhaps Connor is way into the boxing thing too. I think it's very strange that when it's trying when it's time to train boxing or for Manny Pacquiao, he hires all these people perfect yep. for Manny Pacquiao. But when it comes to Dustin, he goes back to SBG and just doesn't really, you know, do anything extra for his MMA career. It's almost as if, like, he's really devoted to boxing right now and reinventing himself in another sport, but also thinks he can keep up with MMA and he can't, you know, like either pick one or the other, yeah. at least for the training camps. You can't mix the two. But I find that to be incredibly strange on top of what Kairos is saying, that he runs his own MMA camp. It just sounds like a recipe for disaster, especially for someone at his level in the sport right now. And you know. I know what's going to happen, right? I'm I'm putting this out here. I'm putting this out in the air. Conor McGregor and Jake Paul will fight each other within the next two years. I I will stake money on that. That fight will happen. Well, he's fighting Anderson Silva. Oh, Logan Paul. Apparently, yes. I saw something like that. But I mean, that's... Uh, But no no bullshit. Chisanka, you sound like my spaces on the late night. Like, 
people are always like, Gina, just give it two to three years. Conor McGregor is going to fight Jay Paul. Like, yeah. this is insane. It's, it's insane, but it's, uh, it's a reality that we will soon soon endure when we're recording Shots Fired episode 500 in a couple of years. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but oh you know what God. It, it, God. Yeah. Okay, well, bringing us back um, to the format of one topic, one person. I know I was greedy, but I think it's time to slide along to the next gun, and that is Kyra Spodley. Okay, um, this was also a topic from about two weeks ago. The UFC had Addison Ray. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, she's a she's a megastar on TikTok. Like she's gotten an incredible following on TikTok by gentrifying dances and setting them and pretending that they're her own, stealing from culture, not giving anyone credit. Typical white people shit. No, I'm joking, but it's true. But <laughs> here's my point, though. Here's my point, though. <laughs> Typical colonizer on TikTok. She was doing interviews at a UFC event for about 20 minutes. And someone put out a tweet saying, I can't believe she gets to do this. What the F you? A lot of people were very upset. And two minutes later, she literally tweeted, well, I guess I'm fired, y'all. So <laughs> I guess it didn't go well for her. She didn't like have a long, like live debut with, um, t- with media. But here's my question. Is allowing a person who has a massive following an entrance, a backdoor entrance into MMA media, good or bad for the sport? Because we've seen a lot of people who have dedicated their time and gotten their credentials up and refined their skill set and understand the craft itself. They were, they were a little bit upset about it. They were being basically gatekeepers about it. And I feel like me personally, there's a part of me that says, okay, I understand where they're coming from and it's justifiable. There should be some sort of boundaries for who we can allow to hop into this sport, certainly. But me from the other side of the fence, I also think we have people in this community who are accredited journalists who have been covering the sport for decades who still say stupid fuck shit all the time. So how the fuck are we going to draw the line at her who doesn't know anything and we expect her not to know anything, not knowing anything, but then we have motherfuckers who we expect to know a lot, say dumb shit 24-7 and not get checked on it and not get held to the flame for it. So me personally, I think they should have let that shit rock because she has tens of millions, tens of millions of followers and people watching her on a daily basis just to gyrate in front of a fucking camera. No, so I, why I, not? I, 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 agree point? You, I, no, I, I mean, just, just look at, just look at it this way, right? You can um, say I'm going for a job interview or whatever. And obviously there are other competitors or what, what have you. I've refined my skill set to a certain amount. As you've said, I've, I've, uh, I've been covering regional shows and, and what have you. And I built an okay following in social media. Now, if there's somebody who has equal skills that I have and they've got a crazy following in social media as well, who do you think the people are going to go for? Go for the people that the the person that has a bigger following and that can subsequently drive drive eyes to to your product. I mean, I, uh, I, I the only issue I have uh, one is well, she steals TikTok dances of black girls and doesn't credit them. That's uh, that's was one yeah. thing that needs that needs to be said. Let's that say that with my chest. And two, I, it was the tweet that she put out. I think it was something along the lines of, oh, this is, uh, I, I did three months of uh, broadcast <laughs> journalism or whatever, just, just for this moment, something like that. So she knew full well what she was doing. Like she knew full well what she was doing. And this isn't, again, this, this isn't like a 15 or 16 year old doing that. This is like, yeah. uh, she's like 19 or 20. So she knows full well what, 
and this is somebody that's obviously social media savvy and is very wary of oh, what, what I post, when I post and what reactions it will get. So she knew full well that reaction. And yeah, I, I saw some people tweeting like, oh, well, I've been doing this for X amount of time and I don't get the, the I don't get the flowers or the opportunity to do this and, and, and what have you. I mean, it, it kind of sucks to say, and it, I'm, I'm going to kind of quote Dana White on when he uh, was talking about Paolo Costa moaning about not getting paid as much. He's like, well, you could have built this following. However, what has stopped you to build the, the same following with the resources that you have and to make yourself uh, to make yourself the person, the, the higher, the, the, the higher, to make yourself that hireable yeah. and undeniable. But again, as you said, Kairos, there are so many people in this, in this industry that, that say stupid shit who are, who are veterans of the, uh, of the MMA media reporting game. I mean, uh, th this wasn't the case at the, at the two, six, four press conference, but you saw some of the fucking stupid questions that got asked. And I like, I'm swearing because there was the height of idiocy, a height of idiocy in some of those questions. And Robbie like, Barstool, let's just call some names. <laughs> Robert Whoa. Barstool what what questions did he ask? Dumb questions. Dumb no, he question. asked, no, he asked. No, he asked about um, leaving your your, yeah. your your kids behind and how that's affected you for the training camp. So I don't necessarily think that's. I don't think that's a bad question, especially because that was really part of the narrative, the nice guy in narrative. Connor going into it, into the rematch. Of all the questions, given that he's supposedly there recommending, sorry, representing media, I thought it was a wasted opportunity. There were far more deep-seated and pertinent questions to be asking. I personally thought Robbie Barstool, and I forget the, 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 the other person who was with him, I just don't like this pencil-necked dweeb who comes on um, YouTube and basically wastes opportunities like what Kairos is talking about. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted. I'm not a fan of Robbie Barstool. I'm not a fan of Robbie Barstool. But I'm gonna like come around to Robbie Barstool when it's my go. But I just couldn't sit here and have you say that there were credible questions in there because Robbie Barstool's question was lame. It might have been lame in your in your perspective, but in the grand scheme of things, and th this is by no means me saying that oh I'm a, I'm a huge fan or, or whatever, but we, we all know the, the image that Connor was portraying b b beforehand and being the family guy, like, like it, it was a major part of the embedded. So I think, it, I think I, I disagree with you. I believe it was a valid question, a valid question. Yes, there might have been more pertinent questions to, to, to ask or whatever, but I, I don't dismiss the validity of it anyway. But and going back to that press conference, the, the guy in the pink, the pink jacket or whatever, I don't even know his name or, or what have you, that just... That, that's a credential media member that that's somebody who who went i i personally think that he went there with the with the sole purpose yep. of of getting that reaction from connor and going yep. viral and then boosting himself up i think i think that was that was mm -hmm. that was the goal and i don't know if you even saw the reaction of uh of the one of the ufc pr guys christoph who was stood behind him he was on the, he was on the phone like this and then as soon as he said it he looked up and he just mm -hmm. was like what the fuck is it <laughs> and i mean they, mm -mm. The UFC are very, very blasé with the questions that they they, they allow. They, they they have a very laissez-faire at, attitude to, to stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if that guy w won't be going back for a while. But going back to to, to Addison Ray, 
yeah 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 of course you're, you're gonna have the the hardcores you'll be like oh she should be nowhere near mma or or, or what have you but if she well if, again I, I preface this before by saying that i didn't like the the the, the uh what's it the, the incendiary tweet that she sent out to, yeah. to, to get that reaction but if she make may, kind of like stephen a smith if they make a concerted effort to immerse themselves in the sport and and what have you, and to cover it in the way that it, that it deserves to be, then it's a good thing because obviously they're going to bring new a whole new set of eyes onto it. And can we? While I'm on the topic of Stephen A. Smith, I don't hear anybody talking shit about Stephen A. Smith for his post fight takes about uh, Conor McGregor because they were spot on. Because they they were spot on. He's obviously done. He's done his his research to a certain ex, to a certain extent, and and what have you, and. Yeah, he's come out with some with some good stuff, and I mean, remember the that the uh, the outcry with the, the uh, <laughs> who was it? Who was it? It was, it was Connor Cowboy when he called yeah. Cowboy a bum, and we got all all really really up in uh, <laughs> up up in arms about it. But again, if if they make if they're making conscious effort to for the for the betterment of the sport, which I believe, I mean. I won't even get into Max Kellerman on the broadcast there because you know how, how, how bad he was to a certain extent. I love Max Kellerman. He's one of the better minds in boxing. But uh, they're, they're, I don't know. I can't remember something what he was. He was like, oh, Dustin Poirier was a, like, was, he, was a young buck or something like, along those lines. But I can't remember. But both men are the same age when they, when they fought each other. But anyway, if they're making a concerted effort and it brings eyes to the sport and they do it respectfully, I don't have that much of an issue with it. Before I go on, I want Queen G to give her comment, and then yes. I'm going to bounce back. I feel like she's going to come with some heat. <laughs> no, I'm. my thing is this. Um, I don't really like this woman. She steals from um, black, you know, black people and steals their content and whatnot. But I don't really mind. The f I mean, if fans want this sport to like grow and they want new eyes on the sport, then you have to let people like her in because she has all those followers and whatnot. So I think they missed an opportunity. But at the same time, you can't be mad at the person that, that jumps on an opportunity when it's given to them. I understand people that have studied journalism are upset and have mm. degrees and whatnot. But are you really going to get mad at the person that was given an opportunity? Why? Were they supposed to say, no, I didn't go to um, college for this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really um, knock her for the opportunity, but I'm glad she got canceled because I don't like her. <laughs> but I mean, if fans if fans are okay with Connor bringing eyes to the sport, then they can't be upset when Adonis does if she was able to do that with her platform. Or, or someone just told me Stephen A is bringing more eyes to the um, sport than Connor. So if y'all want the the sport to you know explode and, and go commercial, then these are the type of people we have to welcome to the sport. So. Yeah, and 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 I mean. Well, I was, I was about to say it's for the for the betterment of fires, and then eventually that will uh, that will be reflected in the pay scale. But we all know that's mm -mm. <laughs> that's that's not going to happen. There might be yeah. more people, there might be more people watching them, yes, but that's not necessarily translating to extra dollars and cents in their back pockets. Yeah, and, well, kinda, and for and for the record, I just want to say that I'm okay with where the sport is at. I'm not one of these people that's like we need new eyes to the sport yeah. because the new eyes are the people in my mentions that don't know shit and that we're arguing with. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't really like the new shit Connor and them are bringing to the sport, but I'm also a grouchy hard, you know, hardcore type of fan. So, but go ahead, Kairos. Uh, on that, I'll say 
it's but it's growing pain so that's going to happen with every single time so that's why I'm, i've accepted the good for the bad if more people come in more less informed people come in it's it is what it is it takes time for them to catch up and it'll it'll be all right but as far as for addison's situation i'm like if people don't want to watch her that's fine she's not for you she's a 16 year old white girl you're not you're 44 like why are you trying to paying attention to her anyway a b let me give you a quick because you started on your song what would you say if Addison Ray was covering the sport back when Joanna was fighting Michelle Watterson and in the lead up, there was news that she is having difficulty making weight. And before she even stepped on the scale, Addison sh said she should never be allowed to fight at 115 again. Based off of a rumor. Based off of a rumor. Um, I think you know I, what my reaction would be. I'd, I'd be like, I'd be like, what the hell are you on about? Or like, who are you to to say? Ah, uh, yeah, that, mm. no, that, that's 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 a good point. You raise a very very good mm. point. Yeah, you've got to be. <laughs> you raise a good point. I don't necessarily have an answer for. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd kind of be like, stay in your lane, right? You don't. You know, oh, okay, stay in your lane. Good. I'm glad. Now let me elaborate on that. Guess what? First of all, Joanna has never missed weight in her professional career yeah. ever, and that was a rumor. B. See, that was Brett Okamoto who said that fuck shit. He tweeted that shit based off of a fucking rumor. Oh, she should never be able to fight at 115 anymore. Bitch, you're an accredited journalist for ESPN basing a consensus decision on a rumor. <laughs> oh, 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 but no one says shit about Brett. No one says shit about Mike Bond saying some fuck shit. No one says shit about Aaron Bronsteader claiming that... Okay, I won't do that. I won't. But Aaron Bonsinger says some fuck shit 24-7 and no one says anything. You never hear anything. Stephen A. Smith will say some shit that's factually correct, but because they don't fuck with him, it's like, nah, that's wrong anyway. But y'all let these people who have been sitting in this sport for years get in a way with misinformation constantly. Brett said that Dustin was a young buck when he fought Connor. They're the same fucking age like you said earlier. Brett also said that Dustin was fighting Dustin. He's an accredited journalist saying dumb shit after dumb shit and no one holds them to the same standard because it's not the principle, it's the person. And that's my fucking qualm with the MMA community. Y'all want to be these fucking gatekeepers who sit on this high pedestal shitting on people who you think aren't talented enough to cover the sport, but you don't shit on the motherfuckers in the sport who definitely know better and still fucking ruin this sport with dumbass shit to say. And another problem that I have with these motherfuckers who want to gatekeep the sport is this. Guess what? Maybe if you were more creative, bitch, people will watch your shit instead of doing cookie cutter questions at every single event asking the same fuck shit then when you get in front of the camera and you're all in your own like room doing shit on youtube and shit you aren't boring 24 7 be interesting be different do better instead of sitting here and shitting on people who are just saying yes to the who are just saying yes to the opportunities presented to them let me calm down my blood pressure no, I'm, right. I'm eating this up right now because really and truly look different strokes to different folks I don't fuck with the schmo. He is not my type of gravy, but still he's gravy to somebody else. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with outsiders, quote unquote, outsiders coming in and representing their brand of German journalism for the sport. And that's why I don't have a problem with Addison coming in and doing her thing. She's not my cup of tea. Yeah. What I do have a problem with is her black appropriation. I don't like that. That is what I have an issue with. What hey, I Mike, don't like, what, what I also don't like, I don't like the fact that off the debacle that was Black History Month, we have somebody who is 
into black appropriation as the first person, the go-to person that you go to. But I understand it. I get it. The go-to market for your TikTok user is Addison. Your go-to person is Addison. She brings eyes onto the sport and it's all towards mainstreaming. So when you have that kind of traction, it's understandable. But going back to people like um, flipping Robbie Barstool, again, he's not for me. He's not for me. I just don't rate him. I don't rate Addison. What is equally galling is you've got the chief gaslighter or the gaslighter in chief who would on the one hand diss the credible MMA media that he has out there, putting these hit pieces out, having these videos all up in the videos talking about these people. But yet these pencil neck dweebs that he talks about are personified in Robbie Barstool who rock up with their shitty questions, wasting every single opportunity when it comes to a one-on-one -on -one with Dana, when it comes to a press conference. That is what I have a problem with. Okay, he's not for me. Robbie Barstool is not for me. Addison is not for me. But let's just call this what it is. It's shockingly bad journalism that... Yes, has its place, but personally, not for me. But you know what? Let them breathe because it's quite, I suppose, clear what is at play here. This is about traction. This is about putting eyes on the, <coughs> excuse me, UFC's product. And if it is giving traction um, using a TikTok presenter, then who am I to actually, you know, stand in the way of a multi-billion dollar company who wants to actually recoup? Basically, the eyes and bums on seats that this woman brings, I've got no problem with. But let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Shockingly bad journalism. Yeah. No disagreements there with you. None. All right, who's up next? <laughs> 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 if you use that clip, you're going to be real upset. <laughs> right? Right? See. I, I think I'm uh, up next. Oh, up? Wait, okay. Speak, speaking of Max Kellerman and Brett Alcamoto, Brett's just uh, done an interview with uh, with uh, with Kellerman on uh, Makachev, Connor, and the lightweight division. So I think you see some of the takes uh, from Max Kellerman on that. Again, love him as a boxing, uh, boxing reporter. Fantastic for the sport. But yeah. Uh, not not 100 the best on, on that note just on, on that note just i just want to say that i'll be ignoring that interview because i'm kind of like mike like when i don't like somebody like Stephen a and all them they get all get ignored like you can turn it off you know what i mean and different strokes for different folks because i think max is wonderful for boxing and terrible for mma you know his takes were just rehearsed, and it sounded like somebody fed him some lines. So I'm, you know, I'm good on all that, but different strokes with different folks. On the brand MMA, let's stay on this topic. So I know you guys heard about Matt Mitrione and the um, journalist that kind of upset him at the um, pre-fight conference for Bellator 262. So now, if you didn't hear about it, let me tell you. So Matt gets the first question of the conference. And the first question from a reporter named Kevin goes like this. He's like, so Matt, you're zero and five in your fight. And right away, Matt Mitrione is like, listen, that is not how you start an interview. But since you started it this way, let's fucking go. So at everything that 
um, Kevin had to say was met with contention and he was just aggressive and cursing at him, but answering the questions. I thought it was very interesting. But my question to you is this. Do you think this reporter, this reporter deserved the backlash that he got? And but should we be, you know, more cautious or, you know, like, should we give him should we let it slide because he's a newer reporter? And I also want to give a shout out to Super Necessary for this topic, because I did notice a lot of people were upset with this reporter. But come to find out, fellas, he's brand new to media. That was his first question ever. That was his first media, you know, thing ever in his life. So he was so nervous. Yeah. Do you know? Oh, I think so. Super necessary. Wanted us to discuss this, so I'm gonna start with. She's gonna leave us hanging, is she? No, I don't know. Who, who's gonna start with? Yeah, I don't know. I think she went with Kairos. Okay, I'm down. I answer the call of duty. Um, do you think the reporter deserves the backlash, or should we take it easy on him because it's new? Did that reporter go to school for four years for journalism? <laughs> <laughs> now that I don't know, but I do know it was his first question, first media event ever, and he was so scared. But with that being said, what do you think? I don't want to, I'm not going to let him get away with he was so scared. You weren't scared, too scared to ask that fucking wrong ass question. You said he was on a five fight losing skid when he wasn't A, being disrespectful as fuck about it. You could have phrased that question a million different ways and you opted the, the most disrespectful way. So now you don't get no fucking sympathy from me. As far as <clears throat> blowback, yeah, you deserve that shit. You deserve everything. Cause that's, the, that's one part of the facet of this sport and everything else with media. As much as you're willing to dish it out, you got to be willing to take it. And you you literally asked for it. No one told you to ask that question that way. And I'm sure if you asked anyone, should you have asked that question? They would have said, I probably wouldn't say it that way. So you knew what you were doing. I don't care how nervous you were. I don't care that it's your first time. Do better. Or if you want that to be your thing where you just disrespect people on the mic, then do that. But then don't expect people to feel sorry for you. So, yeah. I mean, fuck him too. He just sounded yeah. so stupid. He just, it just, it wasn't clever. It wasn't like high. It was, it sounded just stupid. Yeah. You know yeah. What? And also too, just to let, just to let you fellas know too, um, his job, whatever MMA media publication he works for, they asked him to remove it from his bio after they <laughs> saw the backlash that he got from that question. So that's Ooh. why. I wanted to see like what you thought of the backlash and also did he deserve that? But yeah, his, uh, his uh, job told him, take that bio, take it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think that that's, that's completely, that's, that, that's completely wrong. I mean, stand by, stand by your guy. If he's made, if he's done something illegal or, 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 or something absolutely horrible, then yes, tell him remove, remove from your bio. You're no longer associated with us. I mean, all, 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 all news publications across the world, and, and if, uh, unless you're not doing your job, you're gonna get backlash at some at some moment in time. That that's just the, na the nature nature of the, of this business. And I think they should have they they, they 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 shouldn't have asked them to do that. No, that that's 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 completely wrong, completely wrong. And and let's let's not forget as well, you're missing out on traction as well for yourself. Right? What happened to the old adage that um, no, is good publicity? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what what happened to that? But that's, nah. that's what I thought. Negative attention sometimes is good attention because mm -hmm. now you got people on your publication. But um, that's what I'm hearing. I got a message in the DM <laughs> saying that uh, <laughs> he had to take that shit out of his bike. Okay, if that if that's if that's true, then I I I I, I don't get on board with that. And you like 
you have to stand by your uh, by your employee and you, you, you'd like to think that your employer would do that but as it goes back to to the question um i mean we've all been there like nervous uh, and <laughs> in interviewing people and, and and what have you but <laughs> I, I, I remember one of one of the first things that um that I got told at university when it was about interviewing people was like just don't start with the negative and I think that <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily want to necessarily say that oh yeah it's it, it's pure common sense but I mean it, it kind of goes without saying right for you to get the best out of anybody as well you want them to be to be calm, to be, um, to, to be happy around you and to not be just feeling like they're doing a mundane, another interview that they have to do that another, uh, prerequisite of their fight week of their fight week things, which is why for me, like I, I try open up with, with, with something different. I, I don't necessarily go, Oh, so, so how was training camp? So blah, 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 or what, or what have you, I, I, I try to figure it up, but <sighs> Yeah, I, I look. I it wasn't the best question to ask. Do I begrudge Matt Richardson for his response? Not whatsoever. None whatsoever. I, 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 quite frankly, I'm glad that he was like, okay, let's let let if this is how you want to do it, let, let's go. <laughs> I like um, and this is by no means me taking having a dig at the what was his name was his name Kevin or was his yes his name his name was Kevin Kevin you're gonna learn now that's his new yeah name. exactly I mean but this 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 will be as you you said it perfectly there G he's gonna learn he's gonna learn and he's his uh his interviewing technique will will improve as as a result of it and it might get some better work out of it and I'm not saying that I've seen his work his work so far or whatever but I'm, I'm just saying that just just generally. Now the backlash. Uh, I, I can understand why people were like, "What an idiotic thing to say," and 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 what have you. But I was actually happy to see a number of of uh, actually high profile people in the, in the MMA media coming out and say, "Look, he's he's just trying, earning his stripes or whatever. He'll he'll, he'll learn and, and what have you, and not deriding him because mm. I, I can't imagine how that that feeling of being constantly bashed by everybody else and then if you were to see prominent figures in the in the sport which you're aspiring mm. to become a name in uh joining in but look he'll he'll he'll, he'll, learn, he'll learn from it and, and what have you it just it's, it's it's just one of those things but one of those things that if, like people go through if, if you're an interviewer or, or, or have you i mean you'll, you'll go through these things just um for, for context the the BBC's lead political reporter she um she had a similar situation when uh, Mike you'll know man like Dom when he outed her as uh, as 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 his go to as as the source the base of yeah. the leak, leak so and she had, yeah 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 of course yeah and what was even funnier Kairos was because he was doing a, a, a he was doing a, a, he was basically giving like a deposition although it wasn't a deposition and no. he was like oh, and she was doing the live commentary for the BBC at the time and then he was like oh well this was uh, this was my main port of contact and she just went silent radio <laughs> no silent more live oh. yeah <laughs> no more That's but um, but going back to what I was saying look. Kevin, I'm sure I'm sure you've you, you've learned from this and, and and what have you, and it will subsequently help you with your uh, with your career. I mean, sometimes these bad things are, are are good for your for your personal growth and 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 everything. So, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna uh, although although I don't think it was the best question, I'm not gonna bash you, but I don't think you deserved. Uh, although there were uh, members defending you, I don't think you deserve some other media members being critical of you 
but mm. you'll uh, you'll you'll adapt, you'll learn, and I'm sure you'll come back better. So. <laughs> you know, I think having interviewed Matt before, um, anybody who's interviewed Matt before will know that a he doesn't suffer fools gladly. B, he speaks his mind. He says what he means and means what he says. So that was no surprise. What I would say is, look, you probably all know this now. Matt was going into that fight with stress. He's now being cut from Bellator because of non-performance. So his back was acutely up already. He was acutely aware that his job was on the line. So maybe, just maybe, was a combination of dealing with Matt in fight week, dealing with Matt also with his back against the wall. But what I would say is this. I'm a firm believer in tough love. I'll tell you why. I remember, and you'll remember, um, Chisanga, uh, a, a certain young media member, um, stroke media owner, who was at UFC London. Right, I know exactly where this is going. Who asked the dumbest of questions to um, Jorge Masvidal and uh, was met with a stunned silence, not only from those uh, present in the audience, but by Jorge Masvidal himself. I speak of myself, found myself on the Buracina network or, or, or whatever it's called because of that dumb question. But fortunately for me, I have good people around me who were quick to pull me up. Simon Head and uh, Abby came up to me and said, Mike, did you have a stroke? Are you okay? And it's those harsh words which kind of like pull you up by your collar to say, you know what, regardless of whether you've been in this one week, one year or 11 years, you're not above being coached. And this is after me being in the sport for 11 years. I asked a dumb question, thankfully, the only dumb question that I can recall in my MMA media reporting career or my MMA uh, reporting career. Uh, so MMA career in terms of reporting on the sport, got it out finally, because I don't see myself as a journalist. Now, I do feel that the harsh critique, the harsh criticism, the harsh backlash that he got, I think he'll look back and see that as therapeutic. It may be harsh when you're actually in the midst of it all, receiving this candid feedback, but it will help you grow as either a journalist or a media member. So I agree with the backlash. I agree with the candid comments. And um, I think Matt was right to tear him a new one. Yeah. Like, I, I, again, uh, I, I have no qualms with Mitrion's uh, response, obviously, um, I, I don't know what his record was actually at that time, but I knew it wasn't 0-5 because Bellator would have come well well before it, yeah. um, well before that. But as you say, this it, it'll, it'll be a learning curve, and nobody nobody, regardless of how long you've been in the industry, is uh, is above is is, is above ha ha having a learning curve and having a lesson taught to you or what have you. So again, as I said, he'll he'll come back from this. I'm I'm sure I'm sure he'll be fine, and I just. I'm, I hope it didn't have a detrimental effect on him mentally or, or, or what have you. It made him second guess himself or mm. what have you. But just come back strong and you'll 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 be fine. All will be good. Okay, it looks like you're up. Just saying. Right. Oh. This weekend marks the return of the best bantamweight on the planet, people. <laughs> Macy.
<laughs> you know, yeah, of course, we are looking forward to Macy Chiasson's uh, uh, fight this weekend, but I'm talking about the, the headliner, the headliner uh, ah, weekend. Okay. TJ Dillashaw, the return <laughs> of TJ Dillashaw, Killashaw, as some people refer to him as, and the Sandman, one of the best names in uh, mixed martial arts yeah. names, uh, the Sandman, Corey Sanhagen. I don't know if he actually, does he come out to end the Sandman from Metallica? Because if he doesn't, man, that's a... Uh, that, that, that's an open goal. So. But anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, so TJ Dillashaw is coming back after oh, just about two and a half years on, on, on the sidelines. It was two and a half years ago that he um, he tested positive or he returned a uh, positive test for uh, for the performance enhancing drug EPO. And for those of you who aren't familiar with EPO, EPO is an injectable drug. Uh, it's not a drug that you can have... Uh, they can be found in a protein supplement or in uh, in some sort of dietary pill. This is an injectable performance enhancing drug, meaning that obviously TJ took the drug intentionally. And what EPO does increases the red blood cell count in your body. More red blood cells in your body means more oxygen getting to your blood. Therefore, you're not going to get as, as tired, which in fighting terms, that's, that means it's probably one of the worst drugs to be taking if you're, because could you imagine fighting somebody who's just not getting tired? Uh, anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm digressing with the, the, the scientifics of, of, the, uh, of, of the performance enhancer. TJ Dillashaw is back, but I don't know if you guys watched UFC Chronicles. And even before that, Dillashaw, I think it was maybe a few days or weeks after the, the news transpired that he popped. He came out and he came clean. He's, he came out and he said, look, I took this for, um, for, for the sole purpose because I was anemic, blah, 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 due to the, the, the weight cut down to 125. And he owned up for it. And for me personally, I think that's pretty honorable of him to, to come out and do um, because there have been many, many people who have taken performance enhancing drugs and have a not apologized or what have you, or and just in, entrenched themselves in, in the stance of that they've do, they've done no wrong. But it seems that T, well, TJ's legacy is yes, rightly being questioned to a certain extent. But I think it's a tad harsh, given the fact that USADA have gone back with. All their um, with all their new testing and all the new science available to him, and tested all of his previous samples, and they have all come back negative for any performance enhancing drugs. So my question to you folks: It's a two part two part uh, question. Is TJ Dillashaw being uh, treated harshly, and are people not putting their faith into Usada because? If they're not put, if they're if they're saying that oh, Dillashaw is still a cheat, even though the science has said otherwise, they don't believe in the they subsequently don't believe in the program, yeah. but they believe in the program when it uh, it finds out fighters who are who mm -hmm. are So my 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 first port of call for this is going to be Mr. Morgan. I want to hear the dulcet tones of Mr. Michael Morgan uh, reminisce on this. From the little that I know about EPO, I understand it to be an industrial strength. Um, enhancement or in terms of drug enhancement now you have to literally search this out in the former former soviet union i've been told that it's only available on flipping former nuclear sites this is what i'm being told put it this way it's just difficult to get hold of this yeah. so the story that he's feeding the line that he's put out there does think and it makes me feel as though that's made up let's just call it what it was 
it was him attempting to cheat the system and gain a competitive advantage. I would be uh, a little bit more uh, understanding if you were to come out and say that instead of what has been offered. But in terms of like being uh, judged by different standards, I, I think that in the eye of the MMA fan, he is getting what is custom now. And that is people are looking at his legacy, looking at his previous wins and saying, mate, I think there may be a, a whiff uh, or even a stink around your previous and um, your, your, your prior wins. John Jones had it, Anderson yeah. Silva had it. All of their legacies, I mean, look at them, phenomenal athletes, they've been questioned. So what makes him, what makes TJ Dillashaw uh, a special test or, oh, sorry, a special case? So I don't think that he's been um, unduly or uh, or harshly treated. Perhaps in uh, USADA's uh, dealing, that is a little bit harsh because as far as I know, I don't know of any other athlete where they've gone back to previous tests yeah. and actually, you know, rifled through and hatch, actually gone through previous tests in the way that <clears throat> they're doing for TJ Dillashaw. But like I say, in the eyes of the fan, I think he needs getting his just desserts. And just to reiterate, I don't buy his, oh, well, it was because of this reason that I actually um, took a supplement, which mm. isn't even a supplement. I mean, it, it, it is industrial strength um, cheating on a, on, on a grand scale. Well, he did actually say, like he has said in interviews that, look, yeah, I did take it. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I took it to get the edge and to make sure that my body was fine. So he did, he he, ha he has come out and he has said that. Okay. Yeah that that needed that needs to be said. Mm. But in terms of the, um, it, well, I just wanted to get your response to, uh, or I wanted to pick your response with him saying uh, well, about the uh, you started going back and, and testing his previous samples. Surely that's. Uh, I, I don't want to use the word exoneration of sorts because that's 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 a bit mm. wrong. But surely that's some vindication to his argument that look, I haven't, I haven't. This was this was this was a one-off, blah blah blah. And what people are are failing to forget is that um, the the dopers are always ahead of the of the of the anti-dopers. That that that's just fact. And that's why now the, with the in the Olympics or whatever they freeze your samples for seven years, I believe it is. And then they can go back. And I think it was a couple of years ago that a couple of Russian weightlifters got busted, and then some people got elevated to to gold and silver uh, silver status because of their 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 positive tests, and, and obviously bronze as well, because that would happen as well. But um, I, I I kind of see it as a bit as a bit of a vindication, like as as to what as to what you're saying. But I'm I'm not completely saying that we shouldn't give him the the side eye and, and not and not wonder about oh was was he clean then or or, or was he. Or was he a dirty athlete? But, mm. but Mr. Bodley, what you got? With the retroactive like testing of past samples, I feel like it's a tricky subject for him because they went back and tested like him from the Cody fights, and they went back and tested a few other things like right when he popped. So it was like, okay, that was in like a two to three year span. So they could still have the advantage over anti-dopers. I'm willing to acknowledge that. I'm a huge TJ fan, so I'm just trying to be like unbiased here but also i think people want to pick and choose who they want to hold to the flame when they fail drug tests last time i checked people weren't giving for free show for doom all that slack last time i checked they weren't giving brian ortega that slack last time i checked they didn't give ashley evan smith that slack all i'm saying is either hold everyone to the same standard and ask them about drug questions or don't that's it. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, TJ should get this. T no, I'm just saying, 
if your standards are you should have the right to ask those questions because they should be asked, then fine, ask those questions for everybody. But as far as CJ is concerned, in my opinion, though, do I think he was cheating for a very long time? It's tough to say because he's always had monstrous cardio. Yeah. But there was a jump. There was a j noticeable jump between when he fought Dodson in the tough finale to then when he started filling in to fight Burrell. There's a massive, there's a mass. He went from like being able to pace out, like I'd say an output of like 70 to 80 strikes in a fight to him making that jump to 100, 120. And I was just like, that's a, like, that's a huge jump. That's a huge jump. And even when I saw Max, when I was looking at Max Holloway, I was like, he has crazy output, but he still, he had a considerable amount of output that he was throwing at the beginning of his career too, though. It wasn't like he jumped from 40 to 455. It just yeah. didn't happen like that. So that's why I was just like, it's hard for me to be, sit here and be unbiased and say, I think that TJ has been clean his whole career outside of that one. I, it's, I just can't do it in good conscience. I just can't. No, of course. And I, I, I think it would uh, it, it'd be wrong to completely say that, oh, yeah, that he, he's, he's been uh, completely clean. Because as you said, the, the dopers are always ahead of the, um, of the anti-dopers. G, what's your thoughts on the return of the best bantamweight? Yeah, I'm putting it out there. I think he's too. What I'm with y'all, man. I think he's a wonderful bantamweight. I am a fan, and I cannot wait for him to come back. But do I think he's a victim, or do I think like the UFC is going hard on him? Absolutely not. I, he cheated. He got caught. Um, if people want to ask him questions about it, I think that's fine. I have no issue with that, but I don't think the UFC should be using this as a promotional thing for him because not everybody who pops gets the, the, the luxury of using it as their storyline. And I don't know who TJ is besides someone, you know, like, yes, he's a great bantamweight, but not everybody can use their story and run with it like that. I think it's unfair that he gets a storyline from it. And also, too, it's unfair to the fans. I don't give a fuck that TJ made a mistake. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see him come back and fight Corey Sanhagen and possibly fight for a title or see whatever the fuck happens. None of us, some of us don't care that he feels bad. And some of us kind of feel like it's disingenuous or like we don't want to be involved in this. And I'm one of those people. He popped. He did his time. He's back. Let's move forward. As yeah. far as him using it in the past, who cares? I don't know. We will never know. USADA said no. Who gives a fuck? He's back. This Saturday. Let's go. Like, I'm just so sick of talking about things that don't really matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's back. He did his time. He should not I be getting that. promoted for something negative. But can we all just move on? We'll never know if he used EPO before because guess what? Let's say USADA says that he didn't use it in the past. Maybe he cycled the fuck off it before he got caught. You never know. It's a dumbass argument. We will never, ever fucking know. But what we do know is fighting this Saturday with Corey Sanhagen. He hasn't fought in two fucking years. I want to pick him to win, but I'm too scared. And that's what I'm more concerned with than him fucking using drugs. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I was going to ask, who do you uh, foresee winning this fight? I mean, stylistically, it's, it's a fascinating matchup and a matchup of former teammates as well. Let's uh, not teammates, uh, training partners. They've, they've done some training part training uh, in, in the past. I mean, it's hard to look past Corey Sandhagen the way that he's, he's looked. I mean, obviously, yes, he lost to Aljamain Sterling in emphatic fashion, but he bounced back with a vengeance, man, like against Marlon Moraes with that spinning hook kick. And then uh, who did he, and then putting, putting one of the OGs of the game out like that, Frank Yeager with that flying knee. I mean, that, 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 that was, that was hard to watch. That was hard. That was hard to watch that, that knockout. But 
I don't know, man. Like the TJ stand switching it and his and his movement as well. It's I don't know. But then again, maybe maybe this is just me being nostalgic and 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 what have you. But if I'm gonna be sensible, I I'm gonna go with Corey Sanhagen to get the to get the job. How dare you? How if I'm going to be sensible, that's why I said I didn't how say I was being sensible, son. Since How long have you known me? I'm not sensible in any way. Shape, you're shape sensible 98% of the time. I don't know what you're trying <laughs> to pull here. I don't know what you, I, I'm, I talk to you weekly. You're not fooling me. You're very sensible. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, if people saw our chats in the, in the DM, <laughs> they think, <laughs> I think they think. Like that. Like, I won't do you like that. <laughs> but um, you know what? I, fuck it! I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, T.J. Dillashaw to return and yeah. earn, a, earn, earn a title shot uh, potentially late in this year, depending on how uh, things shape up. Mike, prediction? I, I, I'm gonna say with my chest. I do see Sandhagen uh, bringing home the victory, only because I, I find it an indelible memory um, in my brain that I, I can't get my head around, and that is he starched a legend yeah. in. Um, in, in uh, Frankie Edgar. And that I find difficult to get my head around. I really am struggling to see how, um, you know, people have short memories and I really do feel that kind of like put a clear marker down that Sandhagen lives up to his name, man. Sandman will drag you beneath and suffocate you, whether it's a flying knee. I mean, really and truly, I don't think it's unreasonable to, to say, you know, Sandhagen will bring home the victory no, it's not. It's not. Kairos, who are you going with? This is the same. <laughs> I won't say that. TJ, the thing that I love about TJ is this. He gets exponentially better. He's had two and a half years to improve upon what was already tricky to deal with. A. B, he has had surgery on both shoulders. He's been fighting hurt. He was fighting hurt for about two years. He, was ta- he had talked about in past interviews about his shoulders and waiting to do surgery because he was in title contention, all this. He's been injured for so long and still competing with the best of the best and still getting it done for the most part. But now he has time to have his body reset. He's had time to develop a few new tricks on top of the fact he's had time to study everyone else why no one has been able to study him. I don't see a scenario where TJ can come out of you getting abducted by aliens. What the... <laughs> it looked like the police. Like, Sorry, going I, was, on? I was trying to turn on the light. <laughs> it, but yeah, like that's, I just think TJ is going to come. People forget how good that man is. He's the man who took Dominic Cruz's style and then improved upon it. There are people who have tried to emulate it, like Corey's emulated it as best as he could. But TJ has taken that style and made it advantageous for offense too. It's not as strong defensively, but he now can capitalize off of making you make mistakes defensively. Dominic is just Hi, so Rose, great. Quick defense. question. Let me jump in yeah. here. I, let me jump in here because I am a TJ fan. So I'm, I'm just going to, and I can tell you are too, and we're on the same page. But does the two years off give you any trepidations? And then on top of it, two years off to face such a killer in Corey Sanhagen. I, I want to pick TJ so bad because of everything you're fucking saying. But it's been two fucking years and he's facing a killer with the momentum on his side. No ring rust, no nothing. And he's at the top. You're not worried? I'm not worried because the simple fact of the matter is this. We've seen that Corey can get wrestled the fuck out. A. B. 
I think that because TJ goes to a gym that actually challenges him and gives him training partners and he trains at a high level, he'll be prepared. If this was Connor, okay, great. You, you go to a scrub camp and that's why it's going to happen. Or, oh, if this was somebody at TriStar, oh, you go to a camp that don't care about getting you ready for fight nights. All right, all right. You probably aren't going to do that well. But because TJ is doing TJ, he'll be fine. I really like it's very hard. I'd be very hard. This is what I thought Paige Van Zandt was going to what was going to happen with her after her massive long hiatus. I thought, great. She has had time to improve upon her already great characteristics. Mm -hmm. And so she'll be fine. But no, but TJ actually can get it done. Yes. 110 percent. 110 percent. Like, I'm not that worried about this fight. OK, well, that makes me feel a little bit better because I am scared out the ass. But y'all go ahead. You think. Hold on. Hold on. You think the wins over Frankie and Marlon are like. I don't want to say worth something, but I'm just because that's the words I'm looking for. Do you think those fights are worth something outside the fact that those two that Marlon is ranked and that Ed, Edgar has a name to him? It's it's you're talking to me, Kairos. Everybody. Thank you. I'm just yeah. I'm just worried. It's more about TJ than it is Corey Sandhagen. Yes, do I think he's a yeah. you know a formidable opponent? But I'm really worried. And if TJ is clean and we don't know how long he's been using or whatnot, is he going to be different? And then we always have to factor in ring rust and the nervousness. And it's been two years. And what is he, 35? Like, yep. the, mm -hmm. the, the, the sport doesn't stop for TJ. He's the one that's been out for two years. So that's, I don't know. I think you kind of answered your own question there, personally. I mean, you're talking about somebody who starched and like took out uh, a veteran, somebody who basically has um, sort of humiliated someone who is battle tested in the way that he did. And he is, for me, on a, on a nice little run, on a nice little, uh, well, crest of a wave in terms of momentum. And then you've got, as G said, look, TJ's coming in. After all this time off, ring rust is real, man. People disprove of that shit. I ain't gonna let you get off with that one. First of all, I'm I might be disrespectful in saying this, but I'm gonna be disrespectful. Marlon has looked terrible in his last few fights. Marlon has looked terrible. He has not looked like we thought Marlon was gonna be champion. I agree. I think he's he's on like a three or four fight KO losing streak, something like that. It's bad. Does not look good. Frankie Edgar has been knocked out by almost. He has a long list of being knocked out by people. Nah, son. Nah, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. Frankie got KO'd by the zombie by recently. Zombie. Frankie got KO'd by Ortega. Frankie Dude. got KO'd by Sandhagen. Frankie okay. got KO'd, got ran out the ring by Max. Who else KO'd him? The three. Okay. How many fights has Frankie Edgar have? And he's been stopped three times. On top. Wait, didn't he get stopped by uh, Gray? No, Gray Maynard. No, he didn't get stopped by Gray Maynard. He, he stopped Gray though. He, he stopped yeah, he, Gray he Maynard. He stopped Gray in the last fight. Yeah. But here's this man has been weathered. He has the highest octagon time in UFC history outside, I think, Michael Bisping and probably uh, GSP. I think. I think those are the only three people who have, and John probably. So for him to get KO'd by someone, I'm sitting there thinking that shit is inevitable. Like if I see a person with that much octagon time getting KO'd, I'm like, that he had it fucking coming. Same as how if I see fucking um, Aldo get KO'd, I'm like, these motherfuckers kind of have it coming. So it takes away from me saying, wow, that was such an impressive performance. Because like, like when Kevin, Kelvin Gasson KO'd Michael Bisping, I'm just like, bro, it's a knockout. But Michael Bisping has fought so fucking much and been fighting for so fucking long. It was going to happen. 
That's just how I feel. That's just like, I'm sorry about trying to put them down, but it's just like, when you have that much wear and tear. No, I get it. Same with how Max Holloway has so many fucking five round fights. I wouldn't be surprised if someone touches him one of these days and he fucking goes out. He has way too much octagon time. No, I, they're, 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 those are salient points that, that, that you've made, but I will not have the Frank Yeager disrespect <laughs> making him out as if he's been knocked out five times in a row. Jeez. No, but Chisanga, okay. you're, but hold on. You're ignoring the fact that these knockouts have been very recent. Yes, that's no, what no, I think, so too. It's like, it's, yeah, it's like right now he's the knockout king. Like, on you know, <laughs> he keeps oh, he keeps getting knocked out. So I think Kairos has a good point. So I don't I don't know, but I, I feel you, Chisanga. I like Frankie, too. Yeah. And he's 42. So it's like, I can't be, I can't give you props for that, bro. You, you KO'd a, like, I can't give you props for that. I just can't. <laughs> Let's end it on a high. What are you guys looking forward to? Cause for me, um, I'm sorry to copy Kairos, but for me, it's about Aspen Ladd and Macy Chasson. Uh, what are you guys looking forward to Kairos? Are you serious right now, bro? <laughs> you literally wait for like last time she fought, I lost my Twitter account. This time she's fighting, you take away my shout out for the fights. Like, what the fuck is going on? Let me quickly just who who else can I pick since I can't pick my queen, the Baron to the Bantamweight. Well, so whilst you are waiting, I will go on to my point and Miranda Maverick against mm. Macy Barber. That's a fight. Yeah. Or, or is that UFC 265? Or if I jumped that's this one. No, that's this one. Okay, yeah, I knew it was soon. I knew it was soon. Oh, I'm looking forward to this fight. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm not going to – it should be a very good fight. It should be, should be a good, a good, a good stand-up fight. I hope Macy has been working on her distance in terms of, uh, in terms of, of striking. And I think well, – well, to be honest, I, I, I think we're going to see a, a very technically drawn-out drawn fight. And, I mean, if, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Miranda Maverick – Opens up Macy Barber with like one of those mm. nasty elbows, man. I I, I really yeah, foresee yeah. that situation happening. I'm really looking forward to that fight, and I think Miranda Maverick's gonna win. I hey. think yo, she's gonna choose Kyler Phillips, ain't she? She gonna choose the Kyler motherfucker. No, I am not motherfucker. I am looking forward to Adrian Yanez first. Oh, yes, man. Randy Costa. It's because this fight matters. One of these prospect prospect motherfuckers is going down somebody going up and that matters so and both of these guys are going to bring it and i can't wait it's going to be fireworks potential fight of the night yeah and randy costa is a finisher i'm pretty sure all six of his wins have come by a finish yeah it's, it's pretty yeah. nasty i'm going with soriano versus Yanez, yeah, well, that, that, Kyrus? I, said, I'm, I said I'm gonna choose Soriano versus Brendan Allen because I know people already care about the main card, but I think Brendan Allen's like because the middleweight division has had quote unquote grapplers who are doing pretty well right now. I think Brendan Allen is positioning himself to be like the next one up, but Soriano's nice. I think he's like KO'd uh three of his yeah, last. It's been something like that. Soriano, Soriano got hands though. Soriano's nice. So I'm interested. I, this whole card has a bunch of prospects fighting each other. I don't like that shit. They should have done that. They should have let them I all. I love it. Just why though? Like, why are you doing this? Just let it. Let time. Them... Because, because of the influx of, of, of as, as Mike used, uh, what's the term Mike used? The, the puppy mill churning out all these fighters <sighs> on less wages, you're eventually going to get these prospect versus prospect matchups, like in the in the division, like to, to keep the divisions going and to keep up with the uh, the obligation, the promotional obligations of offering them three fights a year. 
then that's oh. that's that's why we're in in this situation. But I love her. You know what I mean? Sink or swim. Sink or swim, man. That, that's, that's like. And I, that's, and I also think the prospect that loses, if you do it at a right time, they can make their way back up. It doesn't exactly. really cancel. It doesn't really cancel their um, careers. Similar to like boxing. Whenever a boxer has one loss, yeah, it's pretty bad. And, they, you know, like starting over is tough, but not in MMA. So if you do it at the right time, which I think is OK for Adrian, Yanez and, and Randy to do right now. The loser can come back. So I'm not really that, like, you know, scared to have prospects fight each other. Because look at the I prospects we miss fighting each other. Can you imagine if um, uh, Mike Perry and Darren Till had fought each other when they wanted to? Mike Perry still could have came back from that loss or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and, and we never got that fight. So I, I don't like missing out on stuff like that. Sorry, G, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But speaking about prospect versus prospect, one fight that comes to mind, we talked about him at the top of the show. Conor McGregor against Max Holloway. And look how Max Holloway came back. Max Holloway, arguably the best pound for pound, 145 pounder. I'm all for prospect versus prospect. Just, yeah, sacrifice the new blood. That's what Damn. <laughs> I just remember, think it'd be cool. Y'all remember Dustin versus um, Max Holloway as well? You know yep. what I mean? Like, exactly. look at that. Look at that. Come on. Mm, it's yeah. all right. Okay. I think we can put our guns safely back in our holsters now. Another charged episode. What I have to say, one of my favorites. <laughs> Damn those bullets hit. Okay, well, we've got fights this coming weekend, and um, we'll be back next week for another episode. Peace.